Welcome to Dream It, Dare It, Do It, Live the Life You Want. This is Jasmine. I'm your host for these beautiful conversations. And today, believe it or not, it is my last episode of season five. And I will take a small break and I come back to you guys in a couple weeks. Um, but we're closing out the season today with Christine Heap. Hi, Christine. Hi, Jasmine. Thank you for having me. Thank you for accepting. I'm, I've, I don't know if I ever told you this. I think maybe I didn't because we just started talking, but I took a class with Michael Neal years ago. And that's where I had met you the first time. Oh, in LA. It was a long, it was a long time ago. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I And it was surely online because, you know, I don't travel. <laughs> so it was an online thing for sure. But yeah, so I've known of you for, for a long time. And um, guys, the reason why, well, one of the reasons I invited her, because I invited her for many reasons, is because I know that there is, a, Christine is on the board of the 3PGC. Uh, org, so the three principles global community and as you guys know i've been working with them for a little while now and we are um getting ready to get a whole bunch of cool stuff out and one of them is a course that christine is going to be hosting with judy mm, yep and so i wanted you to talk a little bit about that so that we can you know tell people about it and at the same time, I wanted to have a conversation with you. So it, before we start all of this, so that people know who Christine is, like you've been around this conversation for a long time. Yes, I first came in um, contact with the principals in 1980. Mm. So that's uh, 43 years ago. Yeah, I'm not gonna tell you. In December. I'm not gonna tell you how old I was then. <laughs> yeah, you probably were barely born. <laughs> I think I think I was just learning, you know, something about Cindy Lauper, and it's <laughs> 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 you know, probably the extent of my thinking back then. Uh, <laughs> wow. So you learned with Sid. I did. Nice. I did. I met um, Sid in January of nineteen eighty one. So I met Roger Mills, who had come up to Minnesota at the time to talk about this new understanding. And I went to that conference, um, really, because I thought it'd be a better place to find a husband than bars. Mm. And so I-, uh, I Was it? It, it? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, I, I tried hard, but I did not. And, but I did find love. I always say I, I went looking for love and I thought it would come in the form of a man, but I did find love in a really powerful way. And I had a really huge shift. And then my total, my, my, my life, my, I was a therapist, a marriage and family therapist at the time. And my whole practice changed over a weekend. Mm. And I was feeling happier than I'd ever felt. My, I was so serious before. I um, started to do this work that I started smiling and I my cheeks hurt because I wasn't used to having the muscles go up. I was like walking around with my, you know, my uh, 
muscles in your cheeks sore from smiling so much because I just hadn't smiled. So I decided at the time that I knew I needed to learn a lot more and I really wanted to do this. And so I signed up for a three-week um, training in Miami, Florida, in Coral Gables, Florida, actually. And during that time when I was there, Sidney Banks came there for a vacation and he spoke to the group there and I was invited to come. And then he took me aside and met with me a few times and and called me up when I got home and said, would you like me to be your teacher? And I was like, yeah. And uh, so that began, began my, my ongoing relationship with him until he passed away. That, you know, uh, um, in June, I was part of a 3P UK conference. Mm -hmm. And for this conference, they had Elsie Spittle come and talk to us. Uh, talk to all the speakers before the actual conference came on. And Elsie shared her story. I didn't know this, like I, I don't look at this kind of thing. So it was new to me that I didn't know that Elsie knew Sid before Sid had what he had, you know. And so and she shared how she was really worried about him. Like when he came out and he said, that's it, this is going to change psychology and it's going to change everything. And she was really worried about it. So it was a beautiful story for me to hear it because it reminds me how, you know, whatever you're doing now is what's happening now. And you have no idea how it's going to look like, you know, 10 years from now. So it's no use really just trying to make it happen and just do what you do now and see what happens in the future. And I, I thought it was really, really an interesting conversation. And you're talking and like you were there. <laughs> you were there when it was all starting. So have you had this you know, it's a, it, it, it won't work. It, it's, it's a cult. It's like, like all of those things that people think when something new and great occurs, people kind oh, of. Yeah. Oh yeah. When, when I, I changed so much over a weekend that my other peers, I had a clinic at the time. I was 27 when I started that. And there's, there's maybe 10 of us and we all went to the same training, only they didn't hear anything. And they saw me change into become a totally different person. So they thought I either met a man, I was um, joined the cult, the, you know, the Moonies at the time were the, uh, there was a big Sun Yun Moon had a big cult yeah. and or I was on drugs because they'd never seen anybody change that much. And so that was the only understanding that they could make of it because seeing a human being go from extremely stressed out and negative and serious and intense to lighthearted and laughing and not driven anymore over a weekend was was literally too much for people mm. you know people would call me and they'd say chris we heard you cracked up i said well 
if this is what cracking up is, you ought to try it because I've never felt better in my life. Mm. They'd say, oh, Chris, we heard that you're into some weird thing. And I said, well, I'm into being really happy and healthy. Is that weird? And they would like, I don't know. You know, it's like the whole, you have to remember that in those days in the mental health field, being positive in therapy was considered bad therapy. Wow. So I was in a, I had set up this supervision group of people I liked, my friends, and um, this supervisor that I liked at another place that I had worked. And um, I went to this, to the supervision group and I, I just knew I shouldn't say anything. So I just kind of sat there and I couldn't stop smiling. She goes, Chris, what's up with you? I said, oh, nothing. I'm just feeling really happy. And then the next week, I had um, did a group with another psychologist and she and I had been doing this group together. We loved working together, but I suddenly changed. I was so different. And we had to like decide whether we we're going to keep the group going or not, because what I, I couldn't like have one foot in one world and one foot in the other world. And um, so she came to confront me at this because she had the same supervisor at the other job. And she came to confront me about how much I had changed. And the supervisor said to me, she said, well, Chris, um, what is it that you're doing? And I said, well, it's positive. And she said, okay, you can't be in this group anymore. And I was like, oh my God. And they were mad at me. And the women in that group never talked to me again. My, my good friend who was there had also kind of picked up and so she got kicked out too. And we got kicked out and never to be talked to again. So it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was, there was a, I mean, I, I'm always been really worried about what people thought about me too, right? So it's like, I was a big name in the field of family violence in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul area. So when I changed, it was like this, wave went through the whole community and people like woke up in a sense they they saw something different in me and then they tried to think about it and what they came up with was what they were familiar with hmm. but the word went out into the community so people would call the clinic and say hey i heard they're doing something new like one one of my very first clients was in the psych ward and in uh, minneapolis and um she, somebody told her that I was doing something different, she should call me. And so she, uh, out of the blue called and said, I'm in the psych ward right now and I uh, have to, I'm getting out and I would like to see you for therapy. I heard you're doing something different. I said, yeah, okay. So she came in and um, uh, she actually tried to kill herself after the first session and she's called me again from the psych, from the ER, from the psych ward. And I said, so what's going on? And she said, oh, I tried to kill myself again. I said, oh, well, you know the drill. Just take care of yourself. And when you get out, you come back. So she came back. And today, to this day, she's uh, uh, just been doing great. I mean, she just really changed from someone who would traditionally be in the mental health system probably all of her life. Hmm. And she's an over-the-truck, over-the-road truck driver. She's been driving truck for many years. So you still talk to her? Yeah. Mm -hmm. In fact, her daughter just sent me a text last night. Very cool. So, so you said you were in family violence when you were right. So I special I specialized in working with families where there was incest, okay. and 
Uh, so sexual abuse. And then I set up one of the first shelters for battered women in Minneapolis. And I was very um, uh, prominent in helping people work through situations where there was some kind of violence in the families. So I'm guessing that's how you got serious because it was a serious subject. Oh, very serious. Yes, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. I took it really serious. And um, the more I focused on how awful people were treating each other and what happened to people, the worse I got. So my mother would say to me, she'd say, Chris, we think your work is getting to you. And I go, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm the healthy one. And uh, she'd say, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and mothers usually know best, right? Yeah. In fact, after I changed, my mother came to me and she said, Christine, you tell your clients that if this can work for you, it can work for anybody. Mm, very cool. So how, so now you're in substance abuse. Now your focus is more substance abuse. Is that what I understand? No, no, no. I, I have a general mental health clinic. So I have a marriage and family therapy. Me personally, I do anybody that comes in the door. So I do a, a, a domestic violence men's group. Yeah. And do um, some substance abuse work. And I do, I'm certified, you know, as a, I'm a master addiction counselor. So I work with people that have any kind of addiction. Um, but more, mostly I just see myself as a person that teaches people how to be healthy no matter what. But we tend to, at our clinic, we, we provide help to the hopeless. So the population that most people don't like to work with or don't want to work with, that's who we work with. But we also work with, you know, Fortune 500 company presidents and, and other people. So it's, um, it's kind of a, who, whoever, you know, it's like life kind of brings you people and like whatever's brought to our door, that's what we do because we figure that if they're there, they, there's something in them that wants help. I, I like what you just said. Well, I like, I mean, I, I would like us to talk about that part where you work with people who are hopeless, like not like these people are hopeless, but they lost hope. That is, that's how I heard it. That's right. That's right. And a lot of other professionals also think it's hopeless to try to help them. Yeah. Yeah. I get so that. So that's, that's kind of like, we will work with anybody. Like, like this is an example. One of the other, there's two other um, domestic violence men's programs and they have these guys come and if they miss one session, that's it, they're out. I mean, you, you just, they just, or if they're like, one guy was all the way through and something happened and he missed a session. He had to get kicked out, had to start all over again. So what we do is we, instead of being punitive to people that have done bad things, we're as try to be as helpful and as caring as we can to them because we really focus on the health that's in them. And so what we do is, and we, we, a lot of times people come to the group because the court makes them come, not because they really have had an epiphany and think that they yeah. ought to react together. So, um, uh, we we start the group, and if they, they miss, we give them one miss. And then after that, they can be kicked out. But they have a choice. They can quit, 
or they can come in for um, twice a week individual sessions until we can get them slowed down enough that they can actually make it to the group and attend. Mm. And so we're always trying to see how we can reach them rather than being so punitive um, in, in the way that we help them. I love it. You, you, you have individual sessions to get them to slow down. I would like you to talk about that because people listening, you might not be getting what we're talking about here. I, I'm, I'm understanding, but I would like Christine you to, to tell us, like, what does it mean to slow down? Well, it means to be able to listen, to be present, to have the, the, your mind be in the here and now. And with that comes an opening to your deeper intelligence. So when people are very stressed and insecure, which 99.9% of these men are, their minds are going very fast. They're doing lots of thinking. They can't sit still. They are um, unable to listen because they're thinking all the time. So instead of listening for, we, we call it listening for a feeling. They're listening for the feeling of mental well-being rather than trying to remember everything and spout it back or just showing up and, you know, being distracted by their own thinking. So if we can help them to see how it works, their minds quiet down. And then when they come to group, they're able to listen and they start to change in their life. That's beautiful. You know, uh, guys just uh, and in as before we came on to the the podcast uh, christine and i exchanged emails and and i was so in my head because i was i had a big day today and one of the things that i was looking forward to is coming on this conversation because i knew that we were going to slow down and i knew it because i knew of you and i knew that there's this there's already it's almost like there's a an already calm space with you like you show up and there's calmness right so i knew i would like literally just come back down and i have to admit i'm not always there i'm getting i'm getting the gist like i'm, I'm starting to see now when i'm like ah, like on the call before you i was talking to this guy and i was screaming <laughs> because I wanted to hurry up. So I was like, bah, 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 bah. And I was like, okay, wait, I heard myself. I said, okay, hold on. I'm so sorry. Let me chill for a second. So I stopped screaming at you. And I finally got to this space where I was able to oh, breathe, calm it down. There's no rush. But that is the place where I can see clearly. I don't need to ask anybody their opinion in that place, right? I can just listen and I'm going to know. So that's what you're teaching. That's right. And that feeling, the feeling that you're looking for, that's the feeling you can live in. You just don't think you can. Hmm. 
because you have a habit of getting in your head and thinking about your work. But the more you listen for that feeling, then you come back into the moment because it never leaves you. Mm. But that, what happened, that was your listening, like you were listening to your feeling and you were like, whoa, malfunctioned. I got to come back in the moment because that's literally in, in, in Sid's book, Second Chance, he talks about that. That when we get thinking too much, we start to malfunction. And when we malfunction, then we do things that are, we're not, things that aren't graceful. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I have this client, potential client right now that wants to work with me and There's something there. There's, I have a resistance there and I don't know what it is. And I can see that maybe I just need to slow it down. Like I'm, I'm probably just in my head hurrying it up. So slowing it down will make me see what's in the way. It's always the answer is to go back to quiet because then you get new thought in. Otherwise, you're just roaming around in your own artificial intelligence. Mm. And there's nothing new there. It's already happened. You've already thought it. Memory is just already your, your old thoughts. But it's, you got to trust that when you stop thinking about something, that you will see what direction to go. It's like this light suddenly shines and you go, oh, that's the way. Otherwise it's like, you know, you're kind of a mole looking around, like I can't see anything, it's really dark. And um, we get insecure then because we think we should know. And instead of just trusting, like I don't know what it is about this, but something doesn't feel right to me. And then you get quiet and whatever it is you need to see, it'll come to you. Yeah. And my rule of thumb is, if you don't know, don't. So if you don't know that feeling of knowing and you're asking yourself, should I do this? Should I have this? Like, if you don't know, whatever the question is you're asking yourself, don't. Because if you're coming from wisdom, you're coming from that deeper intelligence, when it's right, you know. Yeah. It reminds me, uh, when I was doing my, my training with Michael, I, I kept telling him, I, I, like he was explaining thought, you know, like I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know thought. Yeah, yeah, I know it. I know. I know when I'm in my thoughts, but I didn't know when I was in my thoughts. I literally did not know. And then I was like, but how do you know? Now, how do you know? You know, like what's gonna tell you it's the right thought? Cause it like, it really, it's the whole thing, right? It's, it's we're, we're kind of separating it, but it's, it's a whole. Yeah. And I, I, what I saw was how I'm gonna know is the feeling. The feeling is gonna tell me. It's not the thinking, it's not the words in my head. My feeling is gonna tell me. That's right. That's right. 
And that feeling will always be correct. Because if you're insecure and you're coming from the intellect, you won't have that sense of peacefulness that comes with it or that knowing. It's the sense of peacefulness that comes with it. Mm -hmm. So if there's no sense of peacefulness, go back, yeah, go back to the drawing board and yeah. find that. So see, the thing is, people are always trying to do their life to find that feeling of peacefulness. But you do it, and that's backwards. So you go to finding that feeling of peacefulness, and then you see how to do your life, whatever it is. Mm. That's why we do our podcast as psychology has it backwards, because we've just been focused on what people are doing after the fact. And that's just life. We're trying to, you know, you know, be successful so that we're happy. We're trying to make money so that we're secure. We're trying to make uh, a, a, have a good relationship so that we can feel loved. But all of those feelings are already built into you. So you have to go to that feeling first, and then you will see what to do in your life, hmm. whatever it is. But it's we you get going fast and then your little pea brain goes, yeah, but we gotta figure this out, we gotta do this, and you get going and you're like, yeah, that's right, we gotta do this. And pretty soon you're off to the races. So it's we're just trained that way. We're just the world operates that way, go faster to get more. And it's really the opposite. You get like I remember when I first learned this, I was working about 80 hours a week. And I had, because nobody else, you know, did the kind of work I did. So there were all these people that needed help. And what could I do? I was the most important person in the world. And so I, you know, saw many, many clients. I had, I had six groups of eight to 10 women every week. And um, it was like, and then I had all the trauma that they went through and the individual sessions and family sessions and whatever. And um when I started to learn this, when I went down to Miami for that three-week program, because a weekend was like spitting in the wind for how fast my mind was going. It changed a lot, changed me a lot, but it kind of brought me up to where everybody else was as far as I'm concerned, because I was so into the details and the negativity. And so then I went down and I was there for about two weeks. And people were talking about the feeling. What the hell are they talking about the feeling? Are they talking about that feeling I had when I first learned this? That was really a good feeling, I like that. But I could tell they were talking about something deeper than that. They were talking about something that was so peaceful and, and quiet. And I could feel I wasn't there. I could feel I was going really fast. You know, I was like, oh, okay. So about two weeks went by and one day I got up, it was a Friday. I got up and I was supposed to take the bus into the clinic and have my training session. And I couldn't get out of bed. I was so tired. And I could feel that I felt the tiredness of years of being driven. And I called them up and I said, I gotta stay in bed, sorry. And they were like, aha, very good. And so on Monday, I mean, I've just slept the whole weekend. And on Monday, I started feeling a little better, but I noticed how the 
you know, when your car is revving and you kick the, the accelerator and it kicks down, it's like it just kicked down for me. And I was like, oh yeah, this is really good. And now it's 40 years later and I'm still learning that because there's no end to the possibilities of quiet. And as we get quieter, we get more sure of what we're talking about. And the impact you have on others goes up exponentially. Mm. I feel like asking you one last question. You said you learn, you keep learning. And I, I'm the same, I feel that way. I, I feel I'm still saying, oh, it's my thought. <laughs> oh, that's thought, like I was just, I keep saying that over and over again. I feel like a broken record. But what would be one of the latest insights that you had? Something that you, you hadn't seen and you're like, oh, man. Um, most recently, uh, I had a, an, an incident that happened where I got my ego hurt. Mm -hmm. And um, I was entertaining negativity that I didn't realize I was entertaining. And then I was talking with Judy Sedgman and um, we were talking about the power of quieting down. And I went, yeah, damn, that's what I need to do. I just need to get back to quiet down and I need to figure out how I'm gonna change my life. Because at the first time I did this, when I got quieter, I totally changed my life. I mean, I did not see 80 clients a week anymore. I came home to see how I could cut back and I gave some to my friend and I, I did what I could. And, and then I really took myself by the hand to see what living with nothing on my mind would look like. I often say I became a leisure lush. So I had to get into doing nothing. And I thought, yeah, that's, I need to go deeper with that. Mm. So as a result of that, I, I feel like I have somebody, I did some, something to somebody with somebody else and they said, Chris, you seem like you're quieter. I said, yeah, I think I am. I, I saw, I see myself. I have, I spend most of my time alone. You know, what, well, I do a lot of, you know, Zoom work and computer work, and I do a lot. And lately, I've been a busy lady, so I don't spend a lot of time with people. And I'm catching myself when I, I went out with friends and I caught myself. I caught my ego. I caught myself. My ego was like all, and I was kind of like I had this all almighty, you know, thing in me. And the thing that for me is difficult or is that I'm still working on is when I don't like something like there's a big thing about me liking and not liking so if I like I'm fine if I don't like I'm not fine if I don't like I need to fix so I I get caught up very quickly in that but I'm I'm happy that I'm seeing it now which is something that I couldn't see before yeah which now I see is fantastic that I see it, right? So that's super cool that I'm seeing that. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, you know, it's really um, 
just about wanting to find that feeling. Because if you get, like when you get an insight, you think that the insight is about what you just saw, but it's not. It's about the fact that you saw it. Mm, I love it. So you're seeing from within. So it doesn't matter what you saw. Like sometimes you'll get an insight. And to me, it was like, you know, like in Christmas time when they have people have these rooms that are just decorated with all kinds of lights and it's beautiful. And it, it's like this door opens to this beautiful space and then it shuts. And you're like left with this gift of a feeling. But it's really seeing beyond it being about anything that you're thinking. It's just seeing that, oh, I'm thinking again. I love it. I love it. I think that's going to be the quote. <laughs> Christine, thank you so much for accepting to come and play with me. Oh, thank you for asking me. I really enjoyed myself and uh, I am very grateful for the opportunity. So guys, um, the course that we talked about in the beginning of the podcast is called uh, I don't know that both, it has name, really. We, we both don't remember how awakening health, not treating problems, eliciting yes. natural resilience and wisdom. That's right. So one of the things that we did for 3PGC is we did this course on the, the books of Sydney Banks, which I would highly recommend to anybody who's interested in this work. People, and I've received beautiful comments about that. Yeah. So uh, when we were doing that, I had, a, we had, a, we, both of us had another big shift and we were thinking as we did, I did um, second chance and she did um, missing link, I think. But what we discovered when we reread second chance and in quest of the pearl um, is that what Sydney describes is really how it works that we share the principles. And it's all in there, all the things you would ever do with a, with a client or, or if you're coaching somebody or your therapist, it's, it's, it's all in there. And so we thought we would use that as the handbook, if you will, to help people to see how to help people without getting into problem solving techniques, the past. A lot of people get really caught up in the content of thought, even people in the principles community, and they don't go for the spiritual feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes people go for the spiritual, but it's kind of a like it's something out there rather than looking for the the, the feeling of the spirit. That's what I see it as. It's like coming from that feeling. So that's what we're going to do. I think it's going to be really fun. We've never done it before, either one of us. And, uh, you know, it, we, we have such a great time working together that I, I think it'll be fun. And I think, uh, I think it'll be helpful, even to me. Like, I'm looking forward to doing it myself. Very cool. So, guys, it's starting on September 12th. Uh, the registration is not open yet, but if you go and visit the Instagram or the Facebook, you're going to see there's a link there where you can plop in your email and let us know that you're interested. And as soon as registration is open, we're going to send you a note 
and you'll be able to to sign up first. So that's what we're going to do. We decided to do it a little bit more intensely, like twice a week instead of once a week, which is what we've been doing. Yeah. Because um, uh, that's what felt right to us to do a little bit more intense so people can not get go away and get caught back up in their thinking again. Yeah. I think it's a very good idea. All right. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody else, I'm going to say dream it, dare it, do it, live the life you want. And I'll see you in a few weeks. Take care, guys. Bye.